Amen. Woohoo! Okay. I'm not going to show this yet. I want to show it, but I, I have to wait for the pristine moment to show what's behind door number three. Are you excited to be here? That's weak. Are you excited to be here? Better, better, better. All right. I want to get right to it. Open your Bibles. You can watch, follow along the screen. Galatians 5 is our master text. We're in a series called Nine. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Let's stop. Let's stop with right, right there. Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If you look at the rest of those, and we can say joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law but love it's interesting that love is the first isn't it kind of redeems the rest doesn't it i mean can you really have supernatural peace without love and then here's the question behind the question what is love you ask five different people you'll get five different answers and i looked this up uh, it was a humorous take on this but i'm going to read you something i found Online, it says, this is a quote, some of you have heard it before. It says, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it was and always will be yours. If it never returns, it was never yours to begin with. You guys heard this before, some of you? It gets better. If it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, and never behaves as if you actually set it free in the first place, you're either married to it or gave birth to it. That one was free. <laughs> All right, I'm going to show you this. The time is now. This is the Kibbe family creed. Notice the artwork. My penmanship is... Actually, it's not my penmanship. It's actually Amarissa's penmanship. She's our seven-year-old daughter, and she hears us talk about... We have a creed in our family, and it goes something like this. It says, love God, love others, love each other. Pretty simple, right? And really, if we got that from the Bible, so I can't take credit from that, but it's something that our family lives by. And so uh, Faith and her exuberance, our five-year-old, decided to show what that love looked like. And so we have... I'm jumping for joy right here. That's me. Woohoo! And then hope is that. That's Amarissa, right? Amarissa with her nice little dress. And then is that faith there? That's you. Okay. That, that's faith. Okay. Well, who's the sideways guy? That's Char charity sideways here. And then there's, there's, is that Landon? Okay, well, I'm getting confused here. But the idea is, let me just tell you, the reason I'm showing you this is not because it's, not because it's, a, it's necessarily a Rembrandt, but to me it is. See, I love this thing. In fact, it's going to be framed. And so what gives this thing immense value to me gives really, you probably wouldn't, anybody would pay 20 bucks for this? I wouldn't sell it, but my point is, is that this is a Picasso to me. And love for me for those kids, it's very hard to define what love is. But I know that it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so as I'm talking about love, I wanted to explore, okay, well, what is love? Because we hear a lot of talk about love. And obviously, it's the first and most important fruit of the Spirit. But now, let's look what Webster says. Webster says love is strong affection, attraction, enthusiastic devotion, 
adoration towards another. But you know, that to me is not the full context of love. It's, it, it's, it's there, it's close, but there's something different about a Christian who loves God in a supernatural way that's almost, it's almost indescribable. And my best attempt at this, I'm going to use the Bible to define what love actually is. Because what will happen, I believe, by the end of this service, you're going to get a concept of love. You're going to hear some things today that some of you have heard before. Some of you are going to hear some things today that you've never heard before. And you're facing some circumstances and you think that you're operating in love. But what you're not, what you're not realizing is you're not operating in love. You're going to see this as we walk through this. And you're going to see the areas that, you know what, I'm there. I get it. I understand it. I know what God's saying. There's four words for the Greek word. There's four Greek words in the New Testament for love. The first one is stergo. And that is, uh, that's basically what stergo is. It's natural affection. It's used very little in the New Testament. That would be natural affection between a, a parent and a child, uh, similar to what I described. But the kind of love that I have for my kids would probably go beyond that. It's sacrificial, which we'll get to in a second. The second one is phileo, and that's brotherly love, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. You've heard that before. And then the third one is eros, and that is a passionate love. That's that's when I saw my wife on January 4th, 2001 at Bailey's Harbor, and I sat next to her in the seat, which was a complete setup from Pastor Arnie, who set me up with her and Jerry and made my wife... Did I say January? I don't have Alzheimer's, I promise. It was July 4th. I'll pay for that later. <laughs> but the passion was flowing, you know. Woohoo, you know. Romantic love. I mean, you know, that kind of, you can't think, you can't sleep, your head's delirious, it's like you're drunk, you know. But a good hangover. But then there's the fourth kind of love, and that's the God kind of love, and it's the word agape. And it's, it's, it's simply this. It is, after all the commentaries I looked at, the thing I came up with the most and the one that makes the most sense to me is this. Agape love is the God kind of love. It is sacrificial love that takes action. Sacrificial love that takes action. So the, the word agape is used quite often in 1 Corinthians 13. And that is the only thing I'm going to preach to you today it's 1 Corinthians 13, four verses, and we're going to go line by line in Corinthians. And it really does explain the word love here in, in the entire context is agape love. So 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 says, love is patient. Say patient. You know, it's interesting. Many of you have heard the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son it really relates to me because I did a lot of prodigal living. And uh, patience was required by all of my parents for a number of years. But what I find interesting about the prodigal son is the prodigal son was living in the pig slop, and you notice that the father didn't go after him when he was in the pig slop. What's interesting is, though, the Bible says he came to his senses, and when he did, the father ran to him. And so the father had what we learn from that narrative is that the father was patient. And our patience has to become supernatural. Understand that these fruits of the Spirit can't be conjured up. You may be a, uh, what I would call a predominantly patient person, but without Jesus Christ, I will challenge that you cannot have supernatural patience. It's different. It's, it's just different. The kind of love that, 
that would, that would endure our pigginess, that would endure someone saying really rotten things about you, but you love them through it. And I'm going to talk to you the difference between patience and tolerance and enduring abuse. Because some of you are being abused today and you're letting people abuse you today and that ends today. Amen? I'm going to explain some of this. God gave this to me. The first one, love is patience. And it doesn't always mean, I mean, I have kids. We can't give, every, we can't give our kids everything they want. I mean, my kids would probably eat a bowl full of ice cream for every dinner, for every breakfast. But that would pay the piper. They'd be bouncing off the walls and you know, you know how that would go. But love is patient, though. We, we work through. And, and so how do we get that? The first one, the, it's interesting that love is patient is the very first thing that's mentioned here in the love chapter. It gets talked about at weddings and it, people talk about it. But, you know, I would say that outside of the world of Christianity, I don't believe that our world has a true concept of what love really is, even in marriages. I mean, 10 years into this thing with hope, I'm realizing areas of selfishness that I never dreamed possible, and she is very, very quick to point it out. <laughs> in a nice way, which we'll get to in just a second. Confrontation's good. Love is kind. The second part, love is kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, there's something about being adaptable and gentle. Now, I'm, by nature, a pretty assertive, aggressive, and, and as I... As I grew up, I was a fighter. Now, I always got beat up, but I was a fighter. I mean, it was, you know, I would challenge and contend. I didn't have that gentleness. But as we look at Jesus, and I, I want you to see Jesus in a, in, a, in a different way today, because I think we look at Jesus and we look at, okay, he, he sacrificed for us on the cross. We don't look at Jesus and see the toughness that was in him that was able to endure things that supernaturally that, that we can learn from. Because there are situations that, that Jesus was kind in, but his kindness was standing up to things that weren't right. Amen? You know, our culture likes to tolerate a lot of stuff. We're seeing this in America today. I'm proud of Governor Rick Perry. He's taking a stand. Do you know that spending more than you make will put you in debt? Just tell that to our government. So what is kindness? Kindness is, is politely engaging in the debate, but not backing down one iota for truth. Doing it in love. I'll expound more on this. They all work together. Love is kind. Jesus was a servant. He served others. Practical example. Some of you are asking God to remove all of your negative circumstances. Here's the thing. Consider yourself a pearl. You've, if you're a pearl is formed with the gritty, sandy stuff that comes through the oyster. But out of that comes this beautiful pearl, right? But you can't get the pearl without the sandy, gritty stuff. Or sandpaper. Some of you need to be refined. That sandpaper or people and places and things that are coming against you and you're fighting against it. But what, what God's really trying to say is, let me refine the stuff, the edges in you through love and we'll smooth it. Just make it sense? Like sandpaper. Circumstances. That doesn't mean that what the enemy uses for harm, that we say, oh, that's good. We don't. But God can turn it for good. Amen? Huge difference. We resist the devil, but when God's pruning us and dealing with, with us with truth, 
We need to allow that. Here's the, here's the thing. If you're in an office place and someone really annoys you, consider that your sandpaper. That person is on assignment to change and fix your behavior. Because guess what? Here's a reality check. You can't fix them, but you can fix your reaction to them if you let God, let God do that in you. And Jesus can. I had, uh, I won't mention the name, but a guy I worked with years ago, uh, that was the exact case. I mean, I would, every other word was an adjective that was a four-letter word that I will not repeat in church. Uh, many different four-letter words. And uh, when I would do something wrong, I'd F this and F that and blah, blah, blah and spew off. And, and what I realized after I got born again, I would have to go back and say, gee, I'd like to apologize for what I just said and for bucking your authority. And that person would look at me and his jaw would drop because he was used to me hauling off and letting him have it. Now, I know none of you have ever done that. The point is I learned from it. And, and I realized that now through love, God, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit will just come in. My flesh is just raging. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will come in. Zipit.com. Zip it. People can be our pearls. They can help us develop our pearls. If we allow ourselves to be in those situations, in those circumstances where people are grading on us, there is a purpose there, folks. And here's the thing. It's not all about us. You can be an example. Lord, remove me from this insidious boss. Well, until you learn the patience and the kindness test, you're probably going to be planted there. Love isn't envious. It does not envy. I think that one, it seems self-explanatory. But really, now here's the thing. Now let's be honest. If someone gets something that you want and you've been believing God for for 20 years, do you feel that? Do you celebrate with them? All right, I'm transparent. Let's just, let's just go there. You know, I've had moments where, Pastor Arnie... I don't know what I'm doing. I look at this guy over here. His ministry's flirt. Hello? Am I the only real person in here? Come on. I've felt that. I've had the thoughts. They've circled around me. What is he doing? What is he? No one likes me. <laughs> That's envy, folks. <laughs> Love isn't proud. It doesn't boast. Have you ever been around someone? You've been on a conversation with a phone for like 45 minutes and you've had like five words the whole time. Anybody ever been in those conversations like that? And before you know it, we've moved on to politics, religion, back to politics, religion, the Packers, why the Packers, then on the fourth string long snapper who didn't get the job done in the third quarter and you're upset about that, and then you've moved on to the Brewers and why they can't beat the Cubs and hello? You know where that comes from? Insecurity. You know where that comes from? Fear. You know where that comes from? Not knowing who you are in Christ. And if you don't know Christ, all that stuff's going to just vomit out. But here's the thing, as Christ followers, we know better. And I'll tell you, I, have you ever been on the phone and all you've done is talk, 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 and the Holy Spirit just tells you, zip it. Because it's not about me. Now for a loving chapter, boy, I'm hitting it hard, right? Amen? Love isn't selfish. 
Let me go back to this other part, though. It does not dishonor others. Rude and proud people. Humility and kindness. I'm gonna, we'll touch on humility later in the series. I'm going to talk a little bit about what real humility is and, and, and what pride is. I've met some people, and you probably have too, who their very essence, you walk around them. Have you ever been around a person and literally their very essence is haughty? It's almost like you get in their, their atmosphere and the perfume of that atmosphere, it's all about me. You know, right? It's my world and you're just a privilege to be a part of it. You know what the most devastating thing for me as a Christ follower is? is that when I begin to get real nitpicky about everybody else, the Lord tends to show me something that I've been operating in the exact same spirit. And he cuts me down and says, wait a minute. You're pointing out that in him, but you've got three fingers pointing back at you. And when I get real nitpicky on everyone else's flaws, usually that's a reality check that I've got stuff that I need to work on. Hello? Pride is insidious. And don't let anyone kid you. I don't care how spiritual and super spiritual they are. They will face it. And sometimes in our flesh, you get around super spiritual people. And I'm all for being spiritual. But it's almost, it's a cover-up for a pseudo-personality that they, it's a persona that they want you to see. And that isn't genuine humility. Hello? Real humility knows who you are in Christ. We'll, We'll talk more about that later. Love isn't selfish. You know... Have any of you ever felt manipulated and controlled and you didn't want to do it? I know you have. But it, it's one of those deals where, you know, you, you just feel violated. You've been in, you've been in a, a business deal or a circumstance that, you know, you, you think back, gosh, I really didn't want to do that, but I just didn't know how to say no. Say no. Now say no again. Yeah. No is not bad, but somehow as a Christian, we hear the word no and go, turn the other cheek, brother. Now turn the other one. Now turn it again. We're like crash test dummies. Body parts falling out. Hey, thank you, sir. May I have another? And we'll just put the body parts up in. After they've crashed, we'll put them all back together and put them in the car. Crash test dummy again. We just go back for more. And some of you are asking God to, to remove this, this trial from you. And what he's saying is, tell him no. N-O. But didn't Jesus give? He did. But he also said no. I want you to camp on that for a little bit. Boundaries and love are very compatible. Here's a, here's a little statement that I, I, I believe is right. If anyone accuses you, this is for somebody. If anyone accuses you of not loving them because you will not compromise yourself for them, they do not love you. They love controlling you. In fact, that is so important. I'm going to read it again. If anyone accuses you of not loving them because you will not compromise yourself for them, they do not love you. They love controlling you. Anything that is anti-biblical, you say no to. (laughs) It's that simple. If someone consistently dominates you and tells you that you don't, they don't, you don't love them because they don't run through the hoops that you want. Now, this is some hard stuff here. Did I not tell you I was going to hit it hard a little bit on this love thing today? It sounds unloving, but I'll tell you, Jesus got away into the mountains. He got away from people, places, and things. He said no all the time. 
He had Pharisees that would want to play the little game with him and try to trap him into, who do you think you are, Jesus? He felt pretty confident in his own skin. Now you say, well, Ryan, that's Jesus. Yes, but are we not to model Jesus? And who do we have in us? So what Jesus can do, I can do. Do you believe that? Do you believe you can say no? Here's, here's a thought. Do you think you, we could be spirit-led to say yes and we could say no depending on the circumstance? Profound. Because legalism will say you have to do it this way all the time and you have to turn the other cheek 50,000 times. Do you realize when he was talking about, he was talking about the gospel, the Bible also says resist evil. And if you're being abused, resist. I have great compassion for people in abusive situations. But there's more than just physical abuse. There's verbal abuse. There's religious abuse. Some of you have grown up in religious environments that were so abusive that you never wanted to set foot in church ever again. By the grace of Jesus, you're here today. You will be liberated today. You will. You will learn how to set these boundaries. I spent a little more time on that because I want you to understand that selfishness and the root of that is always about fear. I'm not going to have enough, so therefore I covet, I hoard, I steal, I lie, I manipulate. When you follow it all the way back, and so then when you're looking at that person who's doing that to you, now it's not a person that you're seeing that's doing it to you. It's a spirit that's doing it to you. And you could take, and you don't give Satan a face, and you say, wait a minute, I'm going to intercede for them. What Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm guilty of it. My flesh gets weak. I give Satan a face and then I wind up having to repent. But you know what? Maybe I should just get it right in the first place. And because here's the deal. Jesus said offense will come. You will be hurt. You come to church long enough, someone will hurt you. Now, can I say this lovingly? We have to get over it. I've heard this said before, love knows no boundaries. You know, that sounds really good. I mean, that sounds great. Love knows no boundaries. Well, if you're talking in the context of love as in God is love, that's true because God's everywhere. He's everything. He's all powerful. So in that context, that's true. But the Bible is also a book about boundaries and rules. Hello? That he set. No, yes, no, yes. Boundaries. Because he loves us. In when people use that phrase, well, uh, you know, you should love me just for the way I am. You love that person by telling them your abusive behavior ends now. Some of you are in fear over this because you're afraid of the confrontation. But you don't understand that that confrontation is the thing that will liberate you. Love isn't selfish. Love isn't hot-tempered. We don't... <laughs> here's the thing I learned about anger. Here's the thing I learned about it. Anger is not a sin. Did you know that? Anger is not a sin. Anger is a secondary, it's the secondary problem. You know what the primary, there's another problem behind that that causes you, it's called unmet expectation, okay? It says be angry and do not sin in the Bible, correct? It's what you do when you go from zero to 60. And here's an example. I do this because, when I drive, it's the thing I can think of most of when I go from zero to 60 and accelerating, okay? So I'm sitting in my chair. 
I'm driving along, and you pull off right here. You're going Mach 60 with your hair on fire. The, the band is thumping and this and that. You have no idea I'm here. You run me over over to the side like this, and I look at you, and the first reaction I want to do is my finger to come upwards. In the international sign for peace, I will not do it because I've changed. But I'm sitting here driving along, and I mean, hope will see it. I'm just, you know, driving along, driving along, driving along, and I can see it. And then sometimes, instantly, as somebody comes up to me, let's say I'm going 70, we're driving, we're driving, we're driving, I'll immediately hit the throttle, try to go 75, they'll go 75, I'll try to go 80, they'll go 85, and the next thing you know, I mean, we're, we're sitting here going, it's digital derby, man, and the flesh rises up, and I'm thinking, what happened? I went temporarily insane, and I darn near killed my wife. Then she darn near killed me when I got home. <laughs> Anger. <laughs> Where does that come from? Well, you know, it comes from a lot of things, rejection, fear. And what I want you to understand is that you can have compassion for people, but what you're dealing with is spirits. There's a spirit in people that maybe when they grew up for whatever reason, but that's not an excuse for you and I. The blood of Jesus is greater than any spirit. And what I would say is that I had to take, I had to take responsibility for my own personal reactions and overreactions. And if there's a problem there, be honest and let's let God fix it. Amen? Love isn't hot-tempered. And, and, and the thing about it is, is that it doesn't mean that I don't have those moments where I feel that. It just means that God has given me that thermostat to say, Houston, we're, we're at that saturation point where we could have a problem, and then I dial it back. And God helps me. Now, I've had my moments. But we're works in progress. But love is also not unforgiving. It keeps no record of wrongs. So here's the thing. Have you ever met, it's the person I call the bookkeeper. You ever met a bookkeeper? They know the stats and the day to the time when you offended them. They've created a dossier just on you. They can remember the event, the sun, the way, the picture it was, the moment that they offended you. Then they want to take you all the way through the offense, make sure that you feel their anger and feel their pain. Hello? Doesn't the Bible say love covers a multitude of sins? I read that somewhere. <laughs> now, I'm going to... We pride ourselves. There's pride. Uh, we... we this church is, it, the reason we preach the way we do, the reason my wife sometimes will air our dirty laundry, we just want to be real, okay? Right? So, so when we're in these like little kerfuffles that, that we get into from time to time, uh, we've learned how to read each other's mail. And my wife has an uncanny ability to find that one spot and press and push just to the level where I need to, but also knowing that I know what she's doing. <laughs> and the point is this, though. We are at a point now, after 10 years of marriage, we can have healthy conflict and at the end of it, resolve it. But we had the conflict. Some of you just need to pick a fight. Ryan, that sounds so unchristlike. You need to pick a fight. Some of you have let people just walk all over. You have no boundaries whatsoever, probably because you allowed abuse in your past. Some of you as a little child, and I'm not trying to make light of this, guys. I'm just trying to say we need to understand what love is. Love is taking a stand. And love is also forgiving. Someone will hurt you. They will stab you in the back. They will reject you. Jesus felt it, but he gives you power to overcome it. 
Now, love doesn't rejoice in evil, but in truth. Now, I want you to picture this. Somebody that you want their comeuppance. Now, you be honest. You, you want their comeuppance. You, it would delight you greatly for their demise. Come on. There's somebody that just came to your mind. You're, I mean, you, oh, I'll pray for them, brother. That's true, and we should. <laughs> the initial elation needs to be then concerned, not just for them, but for yourself, because what you realize is you are still in unforgiveness. I find this to be true. And I've had to work through some situations in my life, which out of respect for the other people, I certainly wouldn't go there because you don't throw people under the bus from the pulpit. But love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. And work through it. God works through you, works, works through that. And you know what's funny is some of the people that uh, were on my F list, you know, there's an A list. You, ha you have your A list people and then you have your F list, F list people. They were on my F list. Some of them graduated to my D list, my C list, even my B list. You ever had that? Someone that you despise greatly actually became your friend. That ever happened to anybody in here? Am I the only one? You know how most of the time it got fixed? Prayer. <laughs> Prayer works. Because, <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, bless them. Bless them mightily. <laughs> all right, I'm moving on. Love protects. We're going through all of 1 Corinthians 4 through, 4 through 8. 1, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love protects. It always protects. Now, again, going back to what we were saying, if you are bad to my kid, we're not going to be chummy chummy. I'm a bear. <laughs> if you hurt my kid, is, are there any other parents feel that way in here? No more Mr. Christian nice guy. I will protect my kids. You walk through the door trying to hurt them, two things are going to happen. <laughs> One of them is you're going to either walk out the door and nothing's going to happen, or you're going to stay in there trying to make something happen, and God, as I call fire down from heaven on you, and I take out your knee. Okay, I'm, I'm getting a little fleshy. That was Ryan. That probably was not the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'll, I'll repent right there. But uh, love does protect, amen? I mean, we protect, our, we protect our loved ones. It always protects. And, 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 and we protect them. We do the best we can. But sometimes when, when, we're, when we're nurturing our kids or we're in relationship and we're, we're, we're looking at circumstances, you realize that sometimes parents have to let their kids sprout their wings and they make bad choices but you're right there for them and praying for them is a form of protection i'm telling you i'm alive today because i have praying parents who you know i mean i i went through hell and back and i i even made a, a, a i had a cabin in hell <laughs> i created a whole cottage industry on living in hell on this earth and and my parents prayed me through it do you realize that what happened for me can happen for you can happen for your kids God is no respecter of persons. Love trusts, always hopes, always trusts. And here's the thing. Believe the best in people. Believe the best in people. It's hard, I know. There's times when, you know, you're hurt, you're wounded, you're dealing with stuff. But love always expects, it always hopes, it always trusts for a better income. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> better outcomes, what I was trying to say. Better income, too, is good. 
Hallelujah. We believe in the blessing of God here. <laughs> but I, I think that Christians are in a mess because we just don't know how to love one another, because we don't know what love is, because it wasn't for a lot of us modeled to us, because we didn't understand agape love. We didn't understand the fullness of love. Love is not just overlooking stuff. It's confronting stuff, but it's also enduring stuff. And there's tension between both. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit in each situation to lead you through it. Well, Pastor Ryan, what would you do in this situation? I don't know. Well, I want an answer. I don't know. <laughs> because what is the Holy Spirit telling you in this? Because there's a time to go after that kid and there's a time to let him sit. Amen? You've got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away and know when to run. I'm just going to finish that. You better count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. I loved Kenny Rogers back in the day. You got to know when to hold them. So we need to be spirit-led. We need to be spirit-led. Okay, I want to do this uh, as we close. First Corinthians, I want to read this whole thing here to you again. But in this time, can we put that up there? I want to put the thing up here the, from start to finish. First Corinthians 13, 4. But instead of love, we know that God is love, correct? And Jesus is God, Correct. So what I want you to do is to substitute for the word love. I want you to put Jesus there. Ready? Read. Jesus is patient. Say it with me. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. He, does, he is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. That's this entire message is love. The fullness of love never fails you. So I want to do this in closing. We don't have time to show this video. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to describe it to you just for time's sake. I want you to picture yourself in this situation, whether you're a parent or not, heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to picture yourself, you're a parent of a child, and you're at a bridge, and you're a bridge operator, and your child and you are playing at the bridge, and the bridge, at the bridge, the child notices that a train's coming, and on that train are a lot of people, and what the child notices is he tells the, the parent, this train's coming way too fast, the bridge is not going to be lowered in time. So the child goes down to try to fix it. And in the process of fixing it, the father looks and has to make a choice. There's no time. This train is speeding down the track so fast and out of control, it comes down to a choice, the child or the people. But what you don't know on that train is that that train is filled with drug addicts, thieves, Liars, manipulators, controllers, your worst nightmare, your greatest enemy. And on that train are people that you as a parent know are on that train that have reviled you, spit on your face, and told you you are next to nothing. And on that train, you have a choice. It's that child or it's those people. What would you do? The child's trying to fix it. But if the drawbridge closes, the child will die. That is an imperfect illustration 
of Jesus, that train speeding out of control is like our sin and it's headed for a, a crossroads, a date. And that bridge is symbolic of the cross. And what Jesus did for us on that cross, imagine how as a parent you would feel sacrificing your child. I couldn't do it, folks. But our Father in heaven did. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. Some of you need to hear how much he loves you. You've been taught religion your whole life, but you've never understood how wide, how great, how awesome, how magnificent, how sacrificial the love of Jesus is. His love didn't fail. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Ryan, I haven't felt like that before. I'm beginning to understand that the love of Jesus has never failed me. I'm beginning to understand that this thing that you're talking about, it's starting to sink in. And you say, you, I've been not, I'm not right with God, but I want to be because now I see what Jesus really did. Don't let pride think of the sacrifice you would make for that child of yours. Don't let pride rob you of the love of God. You say, Ryan, I want to get right with him right now. Please raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I want all of us to just pray this prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your amazing sacrifice, for your grace, for giving your son, whom you dearly loved, to pay the price for my sin. And in Lord, your power, I purpose to change, to let your spirit come in me and operate your love through me now in Jesus' name. Amen.